I'm Michael Kist of Bleeding Green Nation, and I invite you, gentle listener, to join us for the best analysis of the Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles in the business. BGN Radio provides you with the most informative preview shows, and the Kist and Solak show dives deep into all the schemes and X and O details you could ever want. Plus discussions with the industry's brightest minds, including former NFL players and press conferences from the Eagles coaching staff to keep you up to date and informed every step of the way. Subscribe to Bleeding Green Nation today. Fly, Eagles, fly. It's gonna feel real good, alright? Most dope. Everybody, please put hey. a thumb in the air. Hey. Hey everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. Welcome to Broad Street Hockey Radio. That's right, BSH Radio. My name is Bill Matz, and I am your director of fun and games for the evening. The Flyers won last night, and uh, I don't know. Is it good? Is it bad? No one really seems to have an opinion. Uh, I'm in a good mood right now because I heard Van Halen on my way here. So, like, I think it was good, but I could be swayed the other way. Who knows? Uh, we're going to get to a lot, of, a lot of different things tonight because... Uh, there's only so much you can say about this team at this point. They are they are what they are, and as much as that's a Claude Giroux cliche, it is what it is. Uh, let me introduce you to my panel. First and foremost, welcome back, Steph Alicious D. Steph Driver. Thank you. I missed you guys. I have possibly the hottest take of the evening. I would protect Andrew McDonald during the expansion draft. In for Kelly this evening. <laughs> Wait a minute here. Let, let, yeah. I, I want to hear some justification. So they have they they're probably not they have to. They're probably going to protect three defensemen, a goalie, and six, seven seven forwards. Mm-hmm. So we know it'll be Ghost. It'll be Gudis. Who is the third player that you would protect? And they're they've got a variety of options. I'm saying Andrew McDonald because you know Las Vegas is not going to take him. So you may as well just protect him and maybe Las Vegas will want Brandon Manning. Maybe they'll want to have a couple days to negotiate with Michael Delzato. Maybe they'll want Nick Schultz. Leave their options wide open because you know that they're not going to take Andrew McDonald. Yeah, but if there's even like... You know, one Charlie, tenth you of know a percent they're chance not going to take Andrew that they McDonald's. might take Andrew McDonald. Don't, there's a not. don't we want to at least give him the give them the chance you, to be really dumb? You know that they're not. Is this going to be done no. electronically? Like, what if they like click the wrong button? Like, <laughs> this will enrage the fan base. No, um, <laughs> well, that's even if we find out who they protect anyway. There's one reason they would uh, take Andrew McDonald. Las Vegas would. They have to get to sixty percent. Of the salary cap with salaried players. That's no, that they're not going to take Andrew McDonald for that reason. There are other players that they could take that are on huge contracts that are better than Andrew McDonald. That are maybe NHL players. They're not. Gonna, they are not going to take Andrew McDonald. You never know. I would protect Brandon Manning because I would absolutely why not, not protect Brandon Manning. I want him off my team. And you want this, you want Andrew McDonald more than Brandon Manning? No, I'm not saying I want Andrew McDonald. I'm saying that it's more likely. <laughs> Those are Las, your choices. No, it's more likely that Las Vegas takes Brandon Manning than they take. Andrew McDonald, so give them the opportunity to do that. 
the, my look, my ideal scenario here is you protect neither of them and you trade <laughs> for that. a defenseman who another team can't protect and maybe give up, you know, a mid-round I mean, pick. They could- that that would be my idea. I mean, my my dream scenario for this offseason is that the Flyers trade for um for Manson from from Anaheim. I think he'd be like the perfect guy to slide in as that third defenseman to be to protect if Anaheim has decided that he's the guy they're not going to protect and they want to get something back from. I don't know if it's realistic. It probably isn't. That's like my absolute dream scenario. Guys, they I don't I, I don't really all, want to protect they could either throw one. Throw us all for that. a loop and protect Nick Schultz. Well, they don't. He's yeah, but he's a UFA. Doesn't matter. You can still protect I mean, him. But why would you? He's probably going to retire. <laughs> because they don't want to protect Andrew McDonald or Brandon Manning, or Michael Delzato. Then protect T.J. Brennan. They can do that too. <laughs> there, there's Guys, a lot it's of all moot anyway because Vegas is taking Michael <laughs> oh, Neuvert. Yeah. I don't know how many times I gotta say it. It's a well, they're still going to have to. They're still going to have to submit their list of players that they're going to protect. And I'm saying I would protect Andrew McDonald. I just don't want because the way I look at it with McDonald, I don't want to see the list. Then, well, I don't. Well, I mean, you probably we might I hope not. It's a secret list. You're probably not going to. <laughs> I don't think that Vegas is going to take Andrew McDonald, but. I didn't think that Dave Hextall was going to fall in love with Andrew McDonald. I didn't think that Ron Hextall was going to defend Andrew McDonald. So maybe Andrew McDonald just has this spell that he's cast on the entire NHL to convince everyone in positions of authority that he's good. And if that's actually what's going on, I don't want to save it's the blue Vegas blue from themselves. I, if they want to be stupid, let's not stop them from being stupid. Let's give them the opportunity. Yes, it's probably not going to happen, not but saying, maybe it could. I was not saying people with blue eyes are stupid. I'm saying their blue eyes make other people stupid. Hear me out on this, Charlie. Provy Juan Kenobi has trained Andrew McDonald in the ways of the Jedi, and he has mind-tricked the whole NHL into believe. There's no other explanation. It's as logical as anything that they're going to tell you. Well, ah, The I, man I, with I the observations, Charlie O'Connor. So, over the past few months, I'd say, pretty much since the start of the year, but I guess I really thought this was going to end. The one team that's been bothering me so much this year, and I know I'm speaking your language, Bill, because you hate this team, as as you showed in the uh, in the 100th anniversary episode of Broad Street Hockey Radio, which you haven't checked it out, please do. We, had a, we had a good time. It's great. I don't understand how the hell Ottawa is like locked into a playoff spot because they're no, they're not good. Like they are not a good team. No, they're not really good at anything. No, they're 23rd in five on five Corsi. They have the 21st best power play. They have the 12th best penalty kill. They do dumb shit, like trading for for Alex Burroughs, who's, what, 35? And then immediately locking up to a two-year contract and trading away one of the best Swedish prospects in hockey to get him? Yeah, Craig Anderson's good. He's having a good year. But he's only started 32 games. It's not like this is Craig Anderson starting every single game and carrying the team to a playoff spot. There's no reason why Ottawa should be a lock. But they are. They're going to get in, and they're going to get torched in the first round or torched in the second round. But they're in the playoffs. And I look at that team and I, okay, Stone's good. Hoffman's good. Carlson's obviously the fucking man. But like past them, I mean. That's all it is. It's Eric Carlson. They're not good. Mm -hmm. Why are they in a playoff spot? It infuriates me. Because half of the league gets into the playoffs. Yeah, but why couldn't we be in that half of the league, because okay? Because we're bad. Because the Atlantic they're Division... They're bad, too. The Atlantic Division is straight trash. That's true. Look at the Metro. There's three teams with 100 points already. There's two weeks left in the season. Mm. Two weeks, uh, like... The four, 12 games, 13 games left in the know. season? You like, know next year Ottawa's going to be like a 78-point team, and they're yeah, not going to be anywhere easily. near the playoffs. They have Carlson. It's... <laughs> 
I, mean, I, I love Carlson. He's, indefe- he's awesome. Teams don't have a way to defend a guy like Eric, Eric Carlson. There's just no... That's the thing that hasn't been caught up to in the NHL yet. Mm-hmm. And he's blocking shots this year, so he's a hard trophy candidate. <laughs> last but not least... <laughs> last but not least, in for Kelly this week, Jay Polinski. Hey, everybody. Uh, first thing, uh, last time I was here, they were on a nine-game winning streak, and this is quite the turnaround. Um, <laughs> so basically, you destroyed the Flyers I season. did, and I'm not proud of it. Um, <laughs> so I was reading a Dave Isaac article today where um, I guess he was analyzing the Flyers' offense and asking the players their opinions about it. And Braden Shen had some very telling comments, and to summarize it, he he's not happy with the everything goes to the point from the defenseman and it goes in on goal. He he wants to, you can tell he wants to be creative and he's being held back. And I wonder how many other players feel about that. I'm so I read the quote from Braden Shen. Um, I'm, I'm just going to read it. I. I just don't think throwing it on net is the answer. Maybe it creates some chaos and havoc. You might get a few goals like that a year. If there's a time and place and you see a guy in front of the net, yeah, throw it there. But if there's no one there, there's no sense in just whipping it to the net just to get a shot on goal. That's not going to create offense. That's going to start their breakout. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. That's a good point. And I wonder about the being held back thing because... Like, Travis Konechny was an electric guy, and we all saw the gifts and all the highlights of what he did in junior. And you're just now starting to see, and sure, there's a transition period where it's like, oh man, I can't just toe drag around everybody because this is the freaking NHL. But And you're just now starting to see him exercise some of his creativity, and I wonder... Is he just now being cut looser? Is he just mm-hmm. like, I'm not doing this stupid shit anymore because I know how to create offense, and lo and behold, he's been creating offense. Maybe. Maybe. I, I, the one thing I will say about the Isaac, uh, the quote in the Isaac article is that I just don't know what the context was right. of the yeah, question. Like, it, like, the question may have been... It's probably just about Corsi. Yeah, like the, well, yeah, because Corsi's bad play drivers are useless. But the it's very possible the question was asked in a way where basically positioned him to say that point shots are bad and it wasn't meant as a criticism of what right. the Flyers do. Mm-hmm. Or maybe if you ask Shen, do you think you guys take too many point shots? He would say, no, I don't think we take too many point shots. And then it's just, you know, this is just him saying that I don't think we should take too many point shots. We don't do that. But when we do that, it's bad, which is a lot less controversial. Look, we've said all pretty much all year, the Flyers take too many shots from the outside. It, it's pretty clear that that's their default, that when they – are struggling and when they can't get something going, it's just, ah, just pass the puck back to the point and let's let Ryko Gouda shoot the puck immediately. Like, it's annoying and it's clearly a problem and it's something they need to work on. And if guys like Braden Shen don't like it, that's maybe a good sign. I do think that over the last month or so, they've made a conscious effort to do it less. It's very clear. Yeah, that which is taking, good. They're finally, like, getting to the slot, which is good because... Jesus, I can't watch this much perimeter hockey. Rekha Good is even passing sometimes. Amazing. (laughs) I just don't think that if there's going to be a a player revolution, that the players are going to start openly criticizing Dave Haxtell, that Braden Shen is going to be the one to start this. He's been here a long time. He has, but I don't think... I mean, he's not outspoken, and he just seems to be very... Ho hum, go with the flow. That's what they like, all seem even, like. Even if he's, even if he is angry, I don't feel like he's the one that has the relationship with the press to be like, listen, Dave Haxtell 
sucks. I mean, Simmons and Mason are the only guys who ever say anything. So, well, I Voracek think, every I think now and then. Straight used to. Yeah, straight used to. I, I, that's Mason was going to be my guess. Like, if they're going to start on the Dave Hackstall sucks and is bad for the hockey team revolt from the inside, I think Mason would, I would love, to start it. I would love to get some truth serum into Steve Mason and just be like, tell me about Dave. I want to buy Steve Mason <laughs> all of the cold ones and just tell him I love him and please spill your secrets. <laughs> I want to talk about a story real quick. Uh, it's something we kind of just never got to on this show because it seemed inconsequential, but I believe I have somewhat changed my position from the first time it... Uh, it, it arose. Uh, Josh Hosang is up for the Islanders, and he's sporting number sixty-six, Mario's number. Uh, some people have taken uh, have taken like offense to that, like he's trying to usurp Mario, and he's said like I'm just paying homage to the guy like I watched growing up, and I don't know how true that is. Like, didn't you really watch him? Because I barely watched Mario growing up, and I got <laughs> ten years on this kid. But uh, like, it's not a big deal to wear the greats' numbers, and only one number is retired, and it's ninety-nine, and I don't think it should be. But that's just me. Uh, I will say, however, if you're going to wear a double number, you better be great. You better be a great. And I'll take this all the way back to Chris Gratton. 55. Chris Gratton wore 55 for a year. Young Bill Matz, when those black jerseys first came out, got a 55 Chris Gratton jersey. The next year, Chris Gratton changed his number to 77 when Paul Coffey left the team. Paul Coffey is an all-time great. Mm -hmm. Chris Gratton is a second liner who got $10 bucks up front because there was no salary cap and Bobby Clark wanted him. Like, <laughs> If you're going to wear a double number, that's all well and good. You better be great. And I don't mean like pretty good. I mean great. You better be a Hall of Famer to wear a double number. So Nick Schultz is wears 55. And that's a disgrace. <laughs> <laughs> like, if we're if we're going to talk about double numbers here, it has to be like a, a high number though. Like I, I don't no like connect me wearing yeah, like, eleven is a big deal, and like twenty two for Luke Shen. Like who cares? But yeah, I, I, I agree. Like once you get to like the fifties and sixties and seventies, and now eighty eights, obviously. But like that's when you start getting to the point where the numbers actually matter. And I agree, there's something of like a, it, you know what it is? It takes a certain, like a certain hubris. And I, I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean that like, you have to be cocky to wear that number. Absolutely. And, and, yeah. and, and I think that a great hockey player should be cocky. Like, that's what I love when, when hockey players take the number nine. Because the number nine, in my opinion, that's like the hockey royalty number. The reason why Gretzky took nine, took 99, was because... Hull he, and Howe. Hull and Howe. I mean, there's Richard. Yeah. Like, so many great number nines. That's why I was so pumped when Proveroff took it. I'm like, this is great. This shows the kid, like, wants to be great, thinks he can be great, and is not scared of taking on a number like nine. So I loved when Hosang took season six. I thought it was awesome. I like Joshua Hosang. I think that people are making a big fucking deal out of nothing. Oh, yeah. It's definitely a total non-story that he's wearing someone else's number because it's not retired. And Mario was great, but he's not hes not Gretzky, guys. And, like, four isn't retired. Nine isn't retired. Yeah. You're allowed to wear these numbers. And it's just a number. Uh, yeah, that, that's my uh, Have you ever seen the fans, Steph? 
No, because you don't watch movies. Watch I don't the even fan. Know, I, didn't, I didn't even know what you just said to watch me. Watch the fan and tell me it's just a number. There's also the fact that like whatever Josh Hosang does, if it's remotely controversial, is going to be he's going to get blown up into the biggest freaking thing in the world because people really hate Josh Hosang and they've hated him ever since he was about to get drafted. Like he's just been this lightning rod of controversy, and there's what's his, there's, there's reasons for that. What's his thing? Attitude really or compete it, level? Is, is his is attitude? His is right? attitude yeah. and compete level i think because he miss he slept through his alarm yeah once. but there were there, people didn't like him before oh yeah, i know yeah. it's because he speaks his mind it's because the guy actually has personality well that's illegal is obviously hockey. not allowed in the that's nhl that's not the <laughs> whole story okay i mean okay. he's he's pk suban he's a vander kane he's Fair. well vander kane actually is a bad person but... vander kane yeah. is a piece of shit <laughs> but anyway I, I see where you're going with this i know I like this to uh, to start uh, right away with. It's uh, the Flyers won last night, and it became a Twitter battle, basically be- <laughs> between the people who were like, "Yeah, cool, a win," and people who were like, "What the fuck? Why are you winning now?" And it's like, I- listen, I on the show last week said I hope they lose out, except for the Penguins and the Senators. And the Senators games. I want those. I want to win those <laughs> games clearly. But like, and that, but that's just like me looking at what will be ideal. But when I sit down to watch like a sixty-minute or sixty-plus-minute game, I, I uh, like when a Flyers player shoots the puck. I'm not like, don't go in. Like there, <laughs> there's no way for a shot to come in on Mason and me be like, oh, I hope he just lets this one in. There's no way for me to like change that. And especially once it got to overtime, I was like, I don't want a loser point. If you're gonna get to overtime, you better freaking win because that free. I hate that loser point more and more every day. But I <laughs> uh, like tanking. And this somebody, I think it was, uh, it might have been Jake Farringer made this point on uh on Twitter last night. It's that if you're going to quote unquote tank. Mm. That is the front office's job, and it's put together. It's a it's a plan you put together in the off season. Your coach and your players don't try to lose. Do you think Claude Giroux cares where this team drafts? Now let me tell you how many years in a row I have been saying this exact same point. It's not the players that tank. It's yes. not the coach that tanks. It's the front office that puts together a shitty team, purposeful for the tank. Uh, there's no and so like yes we can be disappointed that they you know are an inconsistent frustrating team and at this point now that the playoffs are a pipe dream we can like wish they would win or we, we can wish they would lose but when they win like come on man it's still your team how are you gonna be pissed about a win we've seen so few good games this year Provorov and Konechny both scored last night ah, I can't be too upset so I was at the game last night and it- I, I don't have any vested interest in them winning or losing. Like, we, I'm going to watch hockey, whatever. Then Provorov scored right before the end of the first period. And then Konechny scored right 
well, I mean, there was a whole bunch of shit in between. And it's like every time I think I'm out, they pull me back and in. And then they pull me back in. Konechny scored what? At the end of right at the end, right of, the the end of the game to yeah. bring it to overtime. Yeah. And then Braden Shen scored in overtime. Like that was just the perfect grouping of hockey boys. Oh, and then there was Dale Weiss in the middle, but you know. Fuck you. He's got to cut this out. <laughs> the score. He's, He's Zach, getting better. He's Zach Ertzing. He's straight up Zach Ertzing right now. He's well, like, Zach no, guys, I'm going to end the season with five goals, and then it doesn't look like I had a zero goal season. Yeah. Um. So I go back and forth with this whole thing. So I'm just going to lay out my points. Okay. One, stop telling fans how to fan. Cut that shit out. If people want to see a win, let them want, let them see a win. Whether they want to see a win or whether they want to see a loss does not impact what is happening on the ice. Stop telling people how to fan. Number two, I want a higher draft pick because higher draft pick is a better chance of getting a good player that could make an impact on the team quickly. Number three, winning is kind of fun. I think that might be it. Thanks, Steph. You're welcome. Yeah, you covered everything. Yeah, I, I think I think I did. Like that's that was my entire thought process. Like I get, I get that this team is infuriating, and that they they year after year after year will keep winning to the point where either they'll make the playoffs or they'll miss the playoffs, not get very far, and then they get this this middle round draft pick, and they have a whole team of fucking Scott Lawtons. That sucks. It it does, and. I don't think anybody, like even the people who are really totally on board with the idea of you know rooting for the tank, like no one is rooting for the players to actively tank because they know that if Claude Giroux is leading a tank, then he's probably not a good captain. That's that's. So, I, had, I had a four. I had a four. Oh, you had a four. Okay, let's hear um, your four. The the fact that they're winning after all of these really shitty decisions by management, by Dave Haxtall, really by Dave Haxtall is bad that that's because it yeah. validates all of his shitty decisions that's like, why oh, well, I, I, I actually I don't think it's a good decision i don't think it validates won the game because it what would validate the shitty decisions if, is if the flyers made the playoffs and that's not going to happen well, I, so i don't think it really validates but the one thing it may do is it may per, may make him look better in the eyes of ron hextall when he evaluates the season which i can understand why fans are like no i want him to look as bad as possible yeah. because some fans have just decided that no the Flyers are not going to win with Dave Haxall as a coach, so they're totally on board the fire Dave Haxall train. And if, if you're on that train, then I I get the maybe we want the entire last three weeks of the year to be a total dumpster fire so that Haxall maybe gets let go. Remember that time, the first time that Ghost was scratched? That was a long time ago. Remember that first time? Yeah. And then he came in the next time that he was playing and he scored a goal and things were good. They won the game. That kind of validates, I mean, not for the sane, but for people that are looking, people that are watching, like, oh, well, Dave Haxtell might know what he's doing. Dave Haxtell does not know what he's doing. Like, this is not good. He's not good. I have almost (laughs) taken a stance with Haxtell in that, like, a couple weeks ago, I said I've come to grips with what this team is, and I started off the show saying what they're doing right now is exactly who they are. They win some games, they lose some games. Like, they blow out the defending champions, the Pittsburgh Penguins, 4 to nothing. It's not even all that close of a game. And 
the very next night get killed by the Jersey Devils who <laughs> are an AHL team plus Taylor Hall. I hate the like, Devils that, so that's much. That's a really accurate way to describe yeah. them. And so, like, this is who they are. And I, really, the thing that started bothering me and, like, why I'm, like, happy they're not tanked, like, the players are playing the season through and, like, showed up last night and stuff is, like, I get these tweets from people who are like, this whole team is gutless and, they, like, they have no heart. I'm like, you don't know how to analyze anything. If that's like your default. They have no heart. No, they're just not good. <laughs> like the problem with this team is that the middle of it is bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like they're they they had to go and get tool. Valtteri Filppula, who's having like a down year, to just give He's them scoring. a little. But like now, like he wasn't to start the year. He he's he had, he came in and was one of the top yeah. flyers with, before he'd even stepped on like, the ice. He came in and all of a sudden was the best five on five scorer in the yeah. team, and he's having a down year. Like this team had no production outside of, of its top four forwards, mm. and those guys weren't even being all that great. So like I I don't know. I'm lost now. <laughs> Someone else take it. So you go through. You have you say that in my mind the two biggest reasons why I would allow for fans i guess but that's not even the right word because whatever fans do what you want but the the two best reasons for rooting for the team to lose in my mind are the draft pick thing and then the idea of if they look really bad at the end of the year that makes Haxel look bad and i think Haxel, well, i'm not saying i think Haxel should be gone i'm saying if you think Haxel should be gone i understand why you would want this season to end disastrously because it makes him look bad the reason why and i mentioned this on twitter after the game the reason why i support the flyers doing well the rest of the way is because I don't think you can just write off what is essentially like about 14% of the season in terms of how you evaluate the players. Mm. And if the Flyers for the next 10 games are just bad and they just lose like eight or nine of them and just generally suck, then that's going to adjust your expectations for what you can expect from those players next year. Like if Claude Giroux scores one goal the rest of the way, then this whole idea that, well, it was the surgery that was slowing him down and he got back to he got back on track at the end of the year, like that narrative's out the window. Because if he sucks at the end of the year, then you're like, shit, maybe he's just not that good anymore. Like there is no hope. Yeah, he could just it, be on a two week hot streak and yeah, then he sucks yeah. again and you go, all right, he was just playing all right for a couple of games. Exactly. Like you want these guys to play well because it gives you more hope that they will turn things around next year. Like if Konechny and Provorov continue strong finishes, gives you hope that year two they're going to take a big step up rather than just stagnate or do a ghosted and kind of have like a mess of a second season because of craziness with the coach and bad luck and other stuff. Um, and then you have guys like Couturier and Weiss. Like, you know, you talked about him being Zach Ertz and while it's funny and I don't necessarily disagree, like I do want him to score a little bit because they still have him for another three years. Like, no, that's the problem. Like, he's not going not anywhere. You him. want him to get some sort of confidence for next year that he can do something in this system. Ew. Hey, maybe Vegas think. will take him. <laughs> <laughs> Vegas is not going to take Dale no. Weiss. As either. much as I disagree with a lot of Hackstall's thing, like decisions individually, I want to wait. I'm just so tired of coaching carousels and just mm. constant upheaval around this organization. Hextall's whole idea is patience. So I want to see what Hextall can do with a good team. And he does not have one yet. Hopefully he has one in the coming season or two. But how many years do we wait at this point? <laughs> Next year is the year, year I judge him on. Next year's if as long as that was supposed to be I thought this, there, yeah, year. this year. Yeah, but uh, like who how's the team any different than it was last year? 
I mean, it's Prover just like Connect. Prover Connect. Prover Connect. Two 19-year-olds they added. Who's ever been like, oh, yep, yeah, now we're cup contenders because we added teenagers. Has That's never Edmonton. happened. Edmonton. Okay. Yeah, a little they, different. Go get, they, they're they, not really cup contenders. It's just a well, playoff yeah. team, finally. Yeah. They're, they, they, Toronto. They're not really cup contenders either. Well, I mean, we'll see. Anything can happen once you're in the playoffs. They're not cup contenders. No, they can't. I know you love them. They're not cup contenders. Anything can happen is all I'm saying. Like, <laughs> Toronto's a playoff team because they're in the worst division in hockey. Toronto's a playoff team because... And they might not even make the playoffs. Yeah. They're going to make the playoffs. <laughs> just, just to state that right now. They're not a lot. What are they, like two points up on the Islanders yeah. who are bad? And then Tampa's right there. Yeah. They're one point up on the Islanders. Tampa, they're behind two. Yeah, that's the worst Toronto is going to make the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> Toronto has to make the playoffs. I have a lot of... Just to have Steph have yeah. some fun like, in the playoffs. There, I've got a lot riding on this. There was a point that I was going to make, and I can't remember what it was. Oh, sorry, guys. I've had I've had a month. Um, if... So, so I get that you're tired of, of the coaching carousel. I am too. Like, I'm fucking sick of seeing new coaches come through. I'm sick of the players having to take a year to learn a new system. I'm sick of all of this crap. But if the next guy they have is a good coach, this would be worth it. This guy is not a good coach. I don't know that yet. No, I do know that. This is year two. His system has changed dramatically. Like, he's schizophrenic. Not that there's anything wrong with being schizophrenic. But if you're an NHL head coach, for your system to change so dramatically between year one and year two, and your team has remained the same, there's something wrong. I think it has a lot to do with his number one center has been immobile for most of his time here. And his... Immobile? Yeah, Claude Giroux wasn't able to skate at the end of last season and the first half of this season. I- immobile is yeah, the word that immobile. He can't skate. <laughs> That's what immobile means. No, yeah. immobile means you can't move. All right, but he's a professional <laughs> athlete, so he can clearly move, but he hasn't been able to skate very well for most of his tenure here. And But you, you, continue, you, you continue to to ice Chris Vandevelde. Because over who? Who's he playing over? Liebemov. Okay. Scott so, Lawton. I mean, you want, you, want me, you want me to start naming people that... Scott Chris Lawton, who you hate. And you I don't, do hate you Scott Lawton. You want to throw him away in the trash. I, I would rather Scott Lawton on the fourth line than It Chris doesn't Vandivelli. make a difference. They had Jordan Wheel in the minors. They could have had him over Vandevelde. There we go. Uh, then, Taylor Lear. Then the GM... Taylor should, Lear. Like, I can... We, we can that's a GM them. decision. The GM can give him the right players, but if the GM says Chris Vandevelde's a part of this team, that's enabling the coach to use him. I agree. Yeah. Absolutely not! Are you people serious right now? Why would you sign Chris Vandevelde if you didn't want the coach to use him? As a 13th forward, not as a lock for the roster every single night. <laughs> don't don't sign him. You have these guys. You have Taylor Lear. You have Scott, Scott Lawton. Why would, you br- why would you bring in a guy that you didn't want the coach to use? Who, who went to the college that Dave Haxtell coached at? All right. Why would so, you give him that option? All right. All right. Let's take a step back. Chris Vandevelde has been on the team for longer than Dave Haxtell has been around. Chris Vandevelde has been on the team, I think, since before Ron Hextall was the GM. So he didn't bring him in because Chris because Dave Haxtell He signed him to an extension. Chris Va- yeah, but he didn't bring him in because Dave Haxtell coached him at North Dakota. That's not why Chris Vandevelde is here. He spent a lot of time with the Phantoms. Then he came up because of injury. I, I don't remember. 
because my memory sucks. But I don't even I don't even remember the asinine point that I was arguing. Ron Hextel's free to waive Chris Vandevelde whenever he wants. Of he course say, he is. I mean, could have sent him to the AHL to start the year, just like he did Boy Gordon. Considering yeah. Jordan Will outplayed him dramatically in the preseason and is a better player I mean, this, than Chris Vandevelde. This is true. Now. My my issues with Dave Hextall are are separate. Hold on, <laughs> my issues with Ron Hextall are separate from my issues with Dave Hextall. But he's definitely not icing the best team possible. Oh, totally agree. I mean, that, that's that no. I just don't think it makes that much of a difference. It makes a difference. I, mean, I think it makes a it makes a difference. difference. But I I agree. If Roman Lipomov is in the lineup all year over Chris Vandevelde, how much better are they? I think Roman, Le- Roman Leibmoff has a more offensive upside than... No, 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 no. That's not the question. They play the same role. Fourth line wing. Some penalty killing. Roman Leibmoff plays 80 games. Is this a playoff team we, because but, of that decision? But we talked about this before. It's not... It's not That's if, why it, I'm it, not it, ready but, to judge him yet. But my point is, this is not the one move. Like, if that was the one strange move, yeah, you know, probably doesn't have that big of an impact. But when you combine that with... Andrew McDonald as a first pair defenseman. Well, you combine that with Pierre-Edouard Belmar playing up in the lineup when he can't score better than any forward in the NHL at 5-on-5. Like, when you combine that with good players getting repeatedly scratched for big games, you combine that with really, really strange goaltending usage. Like, when you combine a lot of really, really weird decisions, yeah, in a vacuum, one doesn't have a big impact. But when you take into account the fact that there's like 15 of those decisions where you're like, what are you doing, Dave Haxtell? Yeah, it probably has an impact. I have a bigger problem with signing Dale Weiss to, four year, to a four-year deal than anything Dave Haxtell has done. And I've done 17 episodes of this show, and I've said, what the fuck are you doing, Dave Haxtell, <laughs> on every single one of them. I, no. I don't want to like give my coach bad players and then expect him to coach well. I, I have to see what he does, much like I had to see what Brett Brown did with a team. Okay, yeah, Brett Brown won 10 games, and he must be a bad coach. Coach, or he's got a D-League team. I have to see what Dave Hackstall does when Moran is here, when Sandheim is here. You know what he's going to do? He's going to scratch Le- them, put them in the fucking press box and teach him a what? lesson. No, he's, he sits once. He must He must be the worst guy ever. Was it once? Was it Was it once? How many How many games did Travis Konechny miss? Play well. Three? How many games? Uh, I was like three or four. How, how many games oh, no, did Shane Oh, no, an 80-game season? Miss. Six. <laughs> Was it six? <laughs> I forgot. Was it six? <laughs> Shane Cosper like missed, missed a significant amount. Like, this is not how you coach a team. This is not how you develop talent. Maybe it is. It's not. I've never seen a coach develop talent in this city, so I have no idea. I, mean, me- <laughs> I have no idea. The Philadelphia Flyers have never developed a player before, so I have no idea. This is a whole new thing to all of us. We, I, I don't know. Maybe it'll uh, work. <laughs> They've never developed anybody. Claude Giroux. Mic drop. <laughs> like, like Claude Giroux. Sure, they had him playing wing. They had him playing third line. He was in the AHL. He didn't play right away either. No one's saying about playing right away, but he did play. He is a player that they drafted and developed. As soon as, as, soon as they bring in a superstar, let's see. 
Well, Provorov might be a superstar. And he's played every single game. This is true. So if Travis he's also Sanheim, playing with Andrew McDonald. If Travis Sanheim is good enough to play every game, something tells me he will. It'll probably be with Shane Andrew McDonald. Shane Gostaspair was injured for most of this season. Maybe that's why he needed some nights off. He needed to learn, hey, uh, you can't do what you were doing because your whole left side isn't working. So maybe take a night off and figure mm, something out. That's hearsay. Look, I'm not saying that... I'm, I'm, number one, I'm not saying I want Dave Haxall fired because I don't. And my reason is basically because while he's done, in my opinion, he's done a bad job this year, he did a very good job last year, and I'd like to give him the chance to prove that he can get back to that level again next year, hopefully with a better team. That being said, I think it's a, I think it's an objective fact that Dave Haxall has done an awful job as head coach this season. And I don't think you can just you can put the results of this season pin that on the roster not being that good. Because if you say the roster isn't that good this year, then you have to say the roster wasn't that good last year and did a lot better of a job last year. So why couldn't he have done as good of a job this year with a, ro- with a roster with more talent than he had last year? That's that's what I go back to. And then when you look at all of the moves that were made and all the decisions and all the lineup choices that were made, that yes, we are the peanut gallery, and yes, we're not always right. But guess what? Most of the times, it seems like when it comes to Haxel decisions, we've been right. Like, Andrew McDonald, when he went on that great run with Ivan Provorov the first month of the year and their goals for percentage was around 60, and all of us are like, hey, guess what? If, if, if a pairing is getting outshot and they're generating 44% Corsi together, probably not going to keep outscoring the other team. Well, what do you know? Now we're in late, late March, and the pairing has a 40% goals for percentage. You know why? Because if you put a pairing on the ice for 20 minutes a game of 5-on-5 five five that's getting killed in terms of shot differentials, eventually they're going to get outscored. And I'm not a hockey expert. I'm not a coach. I'm never going to coach a team. But I notice this by looking at some goddamn numbers. And, like, why can the coach not recognize this? And that's what frustrates me. That's what frustrates everyone. The coach has nothing to do with Giroux not scoring. And if Drew is playing Drew hockey, this team's a playoff team. But his numbers for the third year in a row are down. He's under three quarters of a point a game. That's a problem for this team because the team's built around Claude Giroux. Sure, sure. But I, actually, I don't even know if they would they would be a playoff team if Drew was. Maybe if Drew was the point per game, Drew. I don't know if Drew back at seventy points it makes us a playoff team. I, I don't know if that's even enough considering how bad the goaltending's been and then the points they've given away with some strange so decisions. that's the problem. They're a team without a number one center and their number one defenseman is 19 years old. That's the problem with this team. And both goalies were terrible all year. Like, we forget. Remember in, like, December, they were getting the league's worst goaltending? That was a stat. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, not even breathing right now. I'm, I'm waiting for somebody to say something about... How they're they're I mean we already discussed it how they're all taking shots from a million years away how it's a defensive system and that doesn't suit Claude Giroux I, I'm I'm waiting for somebody else to say these things that seem to make sense to me. Are you telling me Claude Giroux isn't free to make plays? You telling me the captain, uh, an eight million dollar player, isn't free to make plays? He's got to defer to the system that doesn't work. I'm saying that his boss is telling him to do a thing, and he's listening to his boss. I'm telling you that he's free to make plays, however he feels. And, and then what happens? You're Shane Goss's bear, and you get put in the. In the well, they're not going to scratch. If they, yes. We didn't think that they would Shane, scratch Shane Goss. Yeah, he wasn't playing well. He can't scratch the when, captain. That 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 is the nuclear option. And maybe, maybe Axel will do it because who the heck knows? I would but. love to see it. 
That would be I, so freaking great. I'm pretty great sure the hockey world would implode on itself. <laughs> it would be so freaking great if they scratch Claude Drew for a game. Oh, my God. <laughs> the world would explode. I would love it so much. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I I've got no words for you. Oh my god. How great would it be? But that takes us to I mean, this- I mean if 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 how great would it be in the fact that Hilarious. I mean, you you really enjoy chaos. Chaos, yes. which I really enjoy, but this is this is this would be past a level. Like this is my body catching on fire spontaneously. Like this would be spontaneous combustion and I, 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 don't, I don't even know, like a sinkhole opening uh, below the Wells Fargo. But it gets us to a question from our friend S- FGSB at Flyers Goal Scored By. Friend. <laughs> uh, do our concerns about the co- current core of the team outweigh our optimism about the future slash prospects? So I covered this kind of on WIP this weekend. By the way, I was on WIP this weekend. Yay, Steph. Wow. <laughs> With Vince. Uh, late, late night. Um, I and I, I take the exact opposite approach that Bill just took, where I'm not evaluating the players based on this season, because I think that this season has just been shit. Um, whereas Bill won't assess the coach, I won't assess the players. The core has had its its problems, but they are a talented group. Um, and I think that once everybody, the collective, gets their shit together and the prospects come up, like they could be a really competitive team. Do I think that they're going to do that under Dave Haxtall? No. That's it? Oh, I, I thought you were going to No, continue. that's it. That's, okay. it. that's the end of the that, show. That, that, was, that was the point. Cool. Um, I'm, I'm sort of on the fence here. Like, yeah, I'm concerned. I'm, I'm a little bit concerned there's only a few players I'm legitimately concerned about, though. Like, if you're talking about the core, who's the core? Is the core just Drew and Voracek? Is the core Drew, Voracek, Simmons, Shen, Couturier? Do we now add Provolve and Konechny to the core? Like, what is the core? When people say core, they mean the two highly paid veterans. So are, are we, That's who they're so talking about. Oh, no, they're, are, are de- they're definitely are we talking about, about like, and- Couturier and, and Shen and Simmons, too. So, so like, okay, let's, let's go with the five veterans. Out of those five, I'll go through each one. Drew, yeah, I'm a bit concerned. I'm a bit concerned I'm because wildly concerned be, be, about Claude be, because Drew. he's trending downwards from a point production standpoint. I'm I'm a I'm feeling a bit better because I've watched his game trend back upwards in the latter half of the season, and that doesn't strike me as something that would happen to a guy that's aging. That he would get better as a year goes on if he's going through an aging process. So I'm feeling better than I was a month ago about Claude Drew. Voracek, I'm not that concerned about. I, I think he's generally going to be fine. Simmons, I'm not concerned about at all, aside from the fact that he is getting older, but he's been very good this year. Shen is who he is. Like, I think Shen will bounce back from a play-driving standpoint to a degree, but he's never going to drive play. He's, he is who he is. He is a power play specialist who can be okay at 5-on-5 five five from a scoring standpoint, and I'm one of the few who's not worried about Sean Couture at all. I think he's a great third-line center or a decent second-line center with upside to be more, but that's me. So the only, the only part of the core I'm legitimately concerned about is Drew, and I've liked what I've seen the past couple weeks. So that, that's where I'm at. Jay? You know, I, I don't have that deep concern about the core. I mean, with, you know, decent, safe percentage goaltending, I think they're a playoff team this year and pretty easily. I mean, they were last year. And with the kind, kind of the prospects that they have in the pipeline and 
the age of this current core, I think it, they're still on a decent path for everything to come together, you know, as it should, and as Hextall has been planning. And I, my concern, it's just not there. My concern level uh, with Wayne Simmons is zero. Uh, with Sean Couturier is zero now that they have identified his role. They are no longer going to be like, okay, yeah, we're counting on him for 20 goals this year, and that's going to that's gonna spike, and he's still going to be a great checking center and also do all this and offset what we lose in Drew. They finally figured out that Sean Couturier is going to check, 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 and when he gets an opportunity like he did last night, maybe drive the net, do a couple things. He's, his offense has come around in the last couple weeks. He's been doing better, but I don't expect that to be what he does because it, it hasn't been for his whole career except for a little bit last season. Uh Braden Shen, least of my worries at this point, because the because the franchise has determined he is not a center. That's he fair. finally has a position. Mm-hmm. By going out and acquiring Valtteri Filppula, they were like, okay, you know what? This is only going to work if we do it this way. That's great. Awesome. Now, Braden Shen has a role. He's going to score 25 goals forever. Excellent. Maybe 23 of them will be on the power play, but this team can't score at all, so I'm not worried about when he scores. Uh... Who's left? Voracek? Cool. Voracek's going to be what he's going to be. His production fluctuates, but they need someone who can do what he does, and he's going to do it. My concern is with Claude Giroux. Uh, Hopefully he evens out, because his production over the last few years has dipped steadily, from a point a game to nine-tenths of a point a game to .86. Now he's below three-quarters of a point a game. He's like .72 points a game. If it keeps going at this rate, they're going to have a lot of money invested in a guy they can do nothing with. But as long as the defensive prospects come along, they will be able to move one for a number one center because you can't win a cup without a number one center. Hopefully Provorov is the number one defenseman we all think he's going to be. One of these goalie prospects has to work out. A reason I'm optimistic about Claude Giroux is uh, it was these quotes in uh, an Ad- uh, NHL.com's Adam Kimmelman piece this week, and he talks about the hip injury, and Giroux has never acknowledged, he's never been a guy like, oh yeah, yeah, well, I, I sucked in that uh, Devil series because both my wrists were broken, even though that was the case. He swore up and down in the exit interviews last, yeah, last year, year, I'm year not injured, the and then yeah. two weeks later it's like, yeah, I'm having surgery. He's on, <laughs> yeah, he's like, no, I'm not hurt, and then he goes under the knife. He's always been, and that's to me, it's part of the reason I think he's wearing down is because he's an undersized center who was playing like above his level for a little bit, and he got in those corners and made plays and battled, and it's kind of wearing on him because he's like 180 pounds, maybe. But he he said in this piece, like I had, I was. It took so long to adjust to like being able to to not being able to make the plays that I'm used to making, and like I just go out and try to do something that I've done a million times, and it just wasn't happening. And it was an adjustment with the injury, so I don't think he's as bad as he's been this season. And as long as his production can even out. And he can be a really good second center. And when this team is what it's supposed to be, they go and they can go and go and get that piece that puts them over the top. I'm not as concerned as I was, like Charlie said, not that long ago. But team construction wise, I uh, it's it's a crapshoot. Uh, it always is. There's no guarantees in sports. But I'm definitely concerned. But maybe not as much as I was pre trade deadline. Bill, that was a rational measured take 
that was really good. I, I, I was like, I, I, I can tell I, because I, Steph's not looking. I, at I, I agree with like 98% of that. That was awesome, man. <laughs> I can tell because Steph's not looking at me. So I said something that made sense. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, you saying that Braden Shen is the least of your problems. I, I tuned out from there because well, like, I, I assumed that the rest of it was going to make sense. I just accept what Braden, like, okay, yeah, if we are still grading Braden Shen on the he's the best player not in the NHL thing, well, then we're all going to be bitterly disappointed in what Braden Shen is. But if you look at who he is and say this is his game, awesome, you're going to need that piece. Like, you're not going to not need him or someone who does exactly what he does. Mm-hmm. The, the whole, and this kind of they got lost in... It gets lost in a lot of the, you know, trade Braden Shen, we should trade him, we should trade him. <laughs> it gets lost in that because it's fun. Like, I mean, Kelly, it's fun when Kelly says trade Braden Shen. It's not fun. <laughs> it's funny. I enjoy it. Maybe you don't. I enjoy it. No. But I, 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 you know how Kelly's much money not, but, but what, what, what not, has wrapped up in Braden Shen stuff? Kelly's not here, so I'm not going to trash talk her specifically, but <laughs> I think the people who are the trade Braden Shen people are very short-sighted. Well, I think what gets what gets lost in the trade Braden Shen talk is that the reason why I have advocated and still advocate for shopping Braden Shen is not because I think he's a useless player. The reason why I advocate for shopping and possibly trading Braden Shen is because he strikes me as the exact player that you might be able to get more back from another team than he actually is worth because he is not that good at five on five. And if you can get a player who is actually a play driver and can actually score at a first or, or high-end second-line level at 5-on-5 five five for Braden Shen because that's who they, they mistakenly think he is, then trade him. But I'm certainly not saying trade Braden Shen because he needs to be off the team because he's garbage. No, he's clearly a useful player. He clearly has a role in this team. He's clearly a very good power play forward, and you need that. It's just that if there's one guy who might get overvalued by another team who I don't think is essential to the success of the Flyers, it's Braden Shen. And that's why I would advocate okay. for trading Braden Shen in the right in the right situation. It's not because I hate Braden Shen. Guys, did you know that Belmar plays hard on every shift? Wow. Wow. <laughs> Makes you think. <laughs> Did you know that every NHL player has to play hard to make it to the NHL? I, 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 Did- like we 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 poke fun at the beats and like their uh, sometimes you know shallow analysis of the game. I'll say that's being nice. Uh, yeah, but like the narratives of guys who play hard. First of all, Pierre Edward Belmar plays ten minutes a night. If he's not playing hard on every shift, what is he saving it for? Like, does it's it look, only ten minutes? Like, it does it look it's less than that? Yeah, well, I guess, well with PK, with PK time, time it's yeah. ten. His five on five isn't that high, but yeah. he's our number one penalty killer, Charlie. Uh, and it's, forget that. <laughs> <laughs> um, it. I heard you once speak about input and output. And how you grade intangibles. And we had the discussion last week about the Belmar fight. And while I put stock in intangibles and, like, realize, and, like, I just watched the movie Goon. And I watched that movie because... That's what I've seen! There you go. (laughs) And I love that movie because it puts... Uh, one, it's just hilarious and I love fighting and it's my favorite hockey movie other than Slapshot ever. But the idea that everybody has a job and it's some guy's job... 
Well, I mean, I don't have a job, but everyone on the team has a job. <laughs> God, that's not, that's not, I, I just sat up at no, attention. No. I got really excited no. because I think I've made this point before. It's that, like, while Belmar can't score, it's not really his job to. I wish they had someone who did Belmar's job and scored, but he's asked to go out there and just play hard and just go do those things. And that's all well and good, but when you only judge players based on, oh, he's got heart and grit, Charlie. Explain it, it further, because I think I'm out. No, the, you, you really hit the nail right on the head. The problem is not... And that's why it's actually made me really sad when fans on Twitter... And you knew this was going to happen as soon as you got signed to that contract, but have turned Belmar into this, you know, basically the whipping boy. The guy who, you know, we scream about how much we hate Pierre Edward Belmar because he's garbage. It makes me sad because, you know... He's got a hell of a story. I like his story. I he's love a, He's a Belmar. genuinely good guy. Like... I swear, like when I when I've interviewed him, like he comes across as one of the most like open players with interviews. Like he's always willing to talk. Like he's not a guy who I want to root against. The problem is, as you as you implied, it's the fact that he's been given a job that really he shouldn't be given. Like there should not be a role on this team for what he is, which is a guy who can't score and is a mediocre by the numbers penalty killer. Like that is his job. That shouldn't be his job because that shouldn't be anybody's job. Because if you have, if you look at a Stanley Cup winning team, they don't have anybody with that job description because that's a waste of a roster spot. Hmm. Like, that's the problem. It's not Pierre Edward Belmore's fault that he can't score at five on five. That's just him. He just can't score at five on five. If he was going to, he would have done it already. So what we're saying is these role players that. Their role is not to help your hockey team win games are pretty fucking useless. Like Boyd Gordon? Like Boyd Gordon? Yeah, like Boyd Gordon, because well, yeah. he's actually just bad at hockey. He's just well, he had a role, he just yeah. can't do it anymore. Yeah. That's no, his problem. A role player has a place in the game. It's just putting stock in the intangibles over, well, he plays really hard out there, and it's like, yeah, but he's mediocre at killing penalties. Like, I want a guy, like, if you are if you can't score, I want you to be the best penalty exactly. killer. Mm-hmm. I want you to be in the passing lane at all times. And, like, when you go down to block a shot, I don't want you starfishing and them skating around you. I want you to get the poke check. Like, that's that's actually playing well. You know who played really hard? Jay Rosehill. <laughs> I want Jay Rosehill to play quite hard. I would, I would love a little a too fighter. fast. I love a little too Jay fast. <laughs> fast as fire. Fast as fire, Jay Rosehill. <laughs> all I'm saying is, you don't have to be a good hockey player to play hard. No, and, and they that's all play hard. That's the idea. Is uh, like saying a guy is uh, saying a guy is a leader. Saying a guy has heart. That is all input. His output is what he produces, mm. and. The production just isn't there. Mm-hmm. If 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 Belmore's your fourth line left wing and you got like Raffle and Wheel there, cool. Yeah, like, that's a nice little fourth line. But like, I don't want him, Vandevelde, and Reed because that's just a line that's going to be ineffective. No, the the problem with the fourth line as it's currently constituted, and this is why I, I actually don't think they're going to re-sign Vandevelde. Like, and maybe this is wishful thinking, but I don't think they're going to re-sign him because I really do believe that they see they see Vandevelde as essentially an accessory. They see Belmar as the guy who drives that fourth line. Like, the reason why Vandevelde gets big minutes some games, I don't think it's necessarily because they love Vandevelde. It's because they love Belmar, and Vandevelde just happens to be the guy with Belmar. So, the problem here is has always been, and we saw this with the contract extension, the problem here has just been that the team and the organization as a whole 
values Belmar more than they should. If they valued him properly, as as you mentioned, as a fourth line left winger who maybe plays some, you know, the fourth or fifth most minutes on the penalty kill and get scratched sometimes when they need an infusion of offense to throw a Jordan wheel in sometimes on the fourth line, like that would be great. And I don't think anybody would have had a huge problem with the signing. The problem is, is that they know that if we're in December of next year and Sean Gatorier gets hurt, that Pierre Robomar is jumping up to be the shutdown center. Mm-hmm. And like, that's the scary part is that because that's how they view him. And that's the problem. That was a hell of a segue there, Charlie, because now I want to get to the, the stay or go of the free. Oh, I'd love this. Yeah. Be fun. Uh, it will be. Uh, we just touched on Chris Van Velde. I am hopeful now that they're not going to resign Chris Van Velde for one reason. Why wouldn't they do it when they got yeah. ba- when they got Belmar yeah. done? Like, what, what is Chris Van is Chris Vandevelde negotiating? <laughs> <laughs> what leg does he have to stand on? Well, you just gave Belmar that yeah, big raise. That so is that is the leg. That yeah. that's it. <laughs> you just you just gave Belmar. What that could raise. he possibly go into the room with? He's got uh, more goals than Belmar. I got pictures of the coach. Like, well, what, that, that's what, what was, could he possibly? That's what I was thinking about the Neuvert contract. Like, imagine if, like, you know, you're a goalie who's just been, like, decent this year. Yeah. And you go into negotiators like, well, look what they gave Neuvert. I mean, my, my save percentage is 20 points higher than his. I deserve double the money. <laughs> Yeah, and that's <laughs> that twenty points higher is just barely passable. Yeah, like, uh, like, all right, but so Chris Vandevelde, I am now hopeful they won't bring him back. If they do, I will still continue to do this show, but I will make it obvious I don't watch their games and I hate them. I will be a <laughs> extreme. <laughs> I will go, I will get I I will start watching the KHL. I will get as far away from the NHL as possible if they bring back Chris Vandevelde because clearly the game isn't for me if he's an NHL player. And most of it most of it honestly is jealousy. Because <laughs> I believe if I spent my college years not being a total waste of life, I could do what Chris Vandevelde does in the NHL. <laughs> It's not true, but I feel that way. Okay. And it, emotion is strong. So we all agree that Chris Vandevelde in an not, ideal world would go. not be resigned. He can't be coming back. Um, He can't be. Well. He can't be, Steph. Stop it. Why must you hurt me? Let us me? have this. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying he has <sighs> doubled the points of Pierre-Edward Belmar almost. They don't value scoring, which is what bums me out because Jordan Wheel is another unrestricted free agent. He's 25. He's going to be... I mean, he's not going to get paid because he's never had a stint in the a NHL. Record. No, but he's a talented player who can play a lot of places in your lineup. Like, they got him playing with Wayne Simmons and Claude Giroux right now. We pencil him in as, like, your ideal futuristic fourth liner. No, I keep him. I absolutely keep I, him. I, 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 keep him I keep him... But do what? they keep him? I think that they should... Whether it's to play on the Flyers or to use in a trade, I think they keep him. I just don't know how much value. Maybe some team likes him. Like, Jesus Christ, he's like the perfect guy that Pittsburgh would snap up off a of free agency you and turn him into Sidney Crosby's winger That's, next he'd to play Connor next Shearer. to Crosby. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but no, I, I think they should. I think Wheel has shown enough over these last few weeks to at least warrant a one-year extension just to Didn't see what he is. get one? Didn't he just get a one-year Well, extension? he did, but he was an RFA last yeah. year. So, like, he had to sign, basically, whereas yep. this year he can theoretically sign with anybody. Yep, got it. I will lump these two together, uh, Delzado and Schultz. There's no way either of them Okay, well, back. Schultz is a definite. Yeah, yeah, Schultz no is way. a hard no. Schultz will probably, yeah. Delzato is like, it's funny. 
I still don't. Schultz think he played like 17 minutes the other night. There you go. He, you I got what you wanted. Had I didn't think he had it in him. Delzato is a guy where I, I still don't want him back, but I'm coming around on the possibility of like, hey, maybe if no one wants him in free agency and you can get him on like a you know 1.5 million dollar one year deal, why not? Because he has been good with Gudis. He's been very good with Gudis, especially over the last month. And what the hell? You know what? If he's really cheap. I wouldn't hate it. And are we going to have three rookies on the blue line next year? I don't know. I I'm if it if it's for a year, maybe two. I just I, wish I they traded. Wanna, I, 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 I would I would assume two. someone gives him money. Yeah, like know. someone is going to say this guy can score. Puck movie. He's young. He's a puck. Yeah, he's a puck. Nobody movie. Here's three years, eight million or something like something because he's still a name. The fact that they couldn't or just decided not to trade him is. Uh, strange to me. I just, I just don't think the interest was there. There's just well, I think that people also think they can get him cheaper. Yeah. in the off season, he does have a decent cap hit at nearly four mil. So I, teams were like, "Eh, do we really?" I just, I, with, with how much? I don't know. With how much he's been scratched this year? You would think he yeah. might have to take a pay cut. Uh, yeah, I think that's. Uh, and of course, everybody's favorite goaltender, Stone Cold Steve Mason. I. Shit. Um, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I, I'm, in all honesty, I'm kind of past Mason at this point. Like, if they can get him back for cheap, great. But I, I, I they probably should be looking elsewhere. I just wish they didn't have Neuvert. Yeah, that's the problem. They Neuvert won't. is the problem. Don't worry about <laughs> yeah. it. Don't Stop. worry about Neuvert. It's not going to be an issue. It, <laughs> Jesus. Um, for Steve Mason, I would love to see him around for a year or two. No more than that but not both him and Neuvert. I honestly want to see Mason get away. I like, like I, 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 I would be happy for him just in a better situation than this. In Dallas. I am okay. I am both tired of seeing Mason and Neuvert and I want to see Mason get away from Hackstall cuz it's honest like I'm not the biggest Mason fan but there's no denying he's been really good here for most yeah. of his tenure and he has been treated mostly unfairly by this coach. Charlie and I did a very thorough verbal analysis in the car back from DC about the goalie situation in Dallas and how th- there's very little chance that Steve Mason will be going there. Yeah, well, they have Niemi and, and Let. They, they for, both for another, for another Well, just for years. another year. So oh, it's well, like, yeah, no, unless no you find some way to trade one of them, you're not going to sign Mason. Finally, Mark Alt, everybody's, is he ever going to get a chance, guy? <laughs> He's never going to get a chance. The question is whether you want to use yeah. him as AHL fodder. Or not. Yeah, keep him. Yeah, in the yeah. AHL, and then Boyd Gordon, <laughs> yeah, no. he's retiring. Like yeah. he's he's done. Goodbye, yeah, he doesn't boy. play for the Phantoms. Uh, that is all the time we have for you this week. I want to slip one more thing in because they can't argue with me during my closing. I want TJ Oshie. I think he's perfect for this he's team. He's bad. We'll, we'll talk about that we next don't week. Want him. But no. <laughs> Yeah, we don't want 30 goals in our lineup. That is all the time we have for you this week on BSH Radio. Have a great week, Philly. Are you ready to talk about sports? Yeah! Who's gonna score hockey goals? Our team! No one does more hockey than our boys. The Flyers!
Hi, this is Jim. And this is Bax. Check out our podcast, The Step Over, Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, for all of your Sixers' needs. Player analysis, game breakdowns, who would look coolest in a headband, and more. Subscribe to Liberty Ballers Podcast feed on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and check out The Step Over, a podcast about Sixers basketball. Mostly.